kind of going back might, might just really overwhelm you and it might scare you. And, and you're like, we can't even think about, about dating one another. It's hard enough to get here. And so we just want to give you tonight just some practical reminders and some hope and, and remind you and challenge you to pursue one another like you did in the beginning. You know, like Susan and Ryan said so well in the beginning, you know, that those wedding day photos, our lives were filled with so much joy and excitement. And for any married couple, any couple who's been married more than a minute, you kind of may wonder, like, what happened? Where did a lot of that fun go? And so we're here tonight, a little bit of a, of a different kind of message. We just want to lovingly challenge you to pursue your spouse again. And it's not rocket science. So we're going to talk through how you can do that really well. So in order to keep your marriage and your relationship a priority, you must be intentional. And so we're going to define intentionality as acting in a way that is selfless and marked with purpose. So your actions are planned, sometimes spontaneous, but a lot of them are planned and chosen with intent. So we all have good intentions. Y'all have great intentions to be here tonight. Um, That's why you're here. But we can't just have intentions. There's got to be an action that goes along with that. And so hopefully we're going to help you put those good intentions in, set some patterns and get things kind of moving in a direction so that your marriage would thrive and you would have fun. So what does it mean to be intentional? There are three practical aspects that we're going to talk about. And the first is to honor one another. This is Hebrews 13, 4. Let marriage be held in honor among all and let the marriage bed be undefiled for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. So we are to esteem marriage and each other as highly valuable. Um, God makes it very clear what he thinks about marriage in the Bible. And so partly it's designed for us to make each other holy, but it is not our job to beat each other down and kind of suck the life out of each other while trying to make each other holy. And we are to raise the value of marriage and the value of our spouse, and so to esteem them. Um, And nobody else will do this. We really have to do that for one another in our own marriages. Number two is prioritize the relationship. So Genesis 2, 24, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they become one flesh. And so you have to prioritize this relationship. After your relationship with the Lord, this has to come next. Um, So that means work, kids, friends, in-laws, all of those have to be um, third and fourth. And so there are so many things in our life that pull us away from one another and from this relationship that you've really got to fight for that and be intentional. And number three is to purposefully pursue each other. And this is Philippians 2, 3, and 4. So do nothing from rivalry conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. And so looking not only to your own interests, but that of the other. And so just putting your spouse's interests and desires before your own, kind of dying to ourselves and doing that purposefully. So that means you need to do something with intent. It can't be aimless. You want to do things to honor one another, prioritize each other, and purposefully pursue each other over all other human relationships. Yeah, so in order to best intentionally pursue one another, you must get rid of the foxes. So this comes from Song of Solomon 2.15, catch the foxes for us. The little foxes that spoil the vineyards for our vineyards are in blossom. What on earth does that mean in 2019 in Dallas, DFW, Texas? And so here's the context for that. Back in Song of Solomon, in that specific context, you've got somebody who is a vineyard owner. And so they've got the, the vineyard and, you know, and uh, the, the grapes are growing and you've got foxes that get in there and get into the crop. They get in the vineyard and they destroy the integrity of the plant, of the crop that they're trying to grow. 
And so the idea there is not like, what does that do? We don't have, we don't have any vineyards. Like, I don't even know what that means. I don't drink wine. Like, I don't understand that passage. We do have foxes in our neighborhood. We live up in the reservation about 3.2 miles north of here. And every once in a while, we see a little fox walking down the street. And, you know, I'm driving down the main road. And when I see a fox, I'm like, oh, I turn, you know, turn down the street to go see it because they're kind of cute. They like look like they should be a pet. They're like intriguing to me. We don't have any pets. And so I'm like, maybe we can get a fox for a pet. And so, you know, they're, they're really cute and look harmless. But what they actually do is that they'll destroy things around them. There's something that looks harmless on the outside, but will destroy, uh, you know, might destroy our home and might, and you know, in this context, it destroys the vineyards. And so if you're somebody who's a vineyard owner, you, your livelihood depends on the vine. And so if something gets in there and destroys it, that's a problem. You've got to catch the fox. And so in the same way that we've got to be couples who see these things around us that look harmless, things that every one of us is in contact with every single day, that if we're not intentional, it's going to destroy our marriage. It's going to take down our relationship. And so, uh, you know, we got this famous song from a, a few years ago. What are the some of the foxes that you must catch? We're going to talk through five of them, four very briefly, and then camp out on a fifth one. So the first one is social media and technology. And so we live in a world that is obsessed with our phones, with technology. By the way, there's a great talk on the, the re-engage resource page, Rick Smith. I'd highly recommend that you find this talk and you download it. You listen to the ways that technology might impact your marriage. And so spend some time listening to that. But technology is not going away. And so we, we can't be people that live in isolation who forget that our phones exist and technology is there. It is absolutely there. And we've got to be intentional to use technology in a way that doesn't destroy our relationship and our marriage. And I love these two little pictures that, you know, father son at the dinner table with a great opportunity to engage one another, but the phone gets in the way. And then this next one, you've got husband and wife in the bedroom and the husband's you know, getting ready for some from a uh, little leaven from his wife, maybe, but she's so busy texting that it's more important than, you know, the sexual intimacy in their marriage. And so we can't ignore it or pretend it's not there. We've got to learn how to navigate social media and technology. Second is schedule and busyness. Our lives are full. Something always gets cheated. And so we've got to be on top of our schedule, not let our schedule dominate our lives and our marriage. Third is boredom. And so there's a guy named Dave Carter who wrote a book called Torn Asunder for married couples who have walked through infidelity. The follow-up book is, it was originally called Close Calls. The, the, uh, he rewrote it called The Anatomy of an Affair. And what Carter did is he looked at common characteristics of couples who have walked through infidelity. Whether they're young or old, old kids, young kids, no kids, empty nest, first year of marriage, and one of those common characteristics of couples who have walked through infidelity is that they're bored in their marriage. And so it, because they're bored, they look for excitement outside of their home. So a boring life never excuses anything like infidelity, but we would want you to be aware that boredom is something that often leads us to look for fun in life outside of our relationship with the Lord and our relationship with our spouse. Last or fourth one on there is other people, hobbies, work, kids. So I can't get rid of my kids. You know, they're in my home for another few years but they will do everything they can to dominate our time. 
And so they're, they're not a fox that we catch and eliminate. It's a fox that we learn how to navigate in a way that still prioritizes the marriage relationship and doesn't let our child's slash children dominate our marriage so we cannot pursue one another in the way that God intends and we desire. All right, and then the fifth one that we're going to camp out on a little bit is called complacency or a lack of pursuit. And so this is just kind of the whole question, like, why do we date? And at the beginning, we talked about it being countercultural. And Romans 12.2 says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so to be countercultural, we date, we show that we honor one another, we enjoy and prioritize our marriage so that we look different than the world and so that we can enjoy the gift that we've been given in marriage. So how do we date? You've probably figured this out. Spontaneous dating doesn't happen a whole lot in our culture and in um, just the busyness of life with two people with jobs, kids, hobbies, all of that. A lot of it has to be planned out. Um, So that means you might need to get a sitter. You might need to block out nights on your calendar, work things around travel, work things around sports, whatever it might look like in your life stage. And then figure out what it means to be on a date. Um, So apparently some reports are that men report going on a date more frequently than their spouse. So you figure out how that works. (laughs) Um, So... You know, there was a stage in my, our life that um, Chick-fil-A would have been considered a date. That was before four boys. After two boys, that was not a date. I don't want to see a Chick-fil-A. Maybe in a drive-thru, but I didn't, that's not a date night. Um, so just figure out what you all feel like is a date. What would bless each of you? Um, again, dying to yourself and putting the needs of the other. Um, so Starbucks, sometimes that's a great, quick, easy conversation date, um, being focused on others, on each other. Um, At-home dates. For some of us, that works. For some of us, that doesn't. There was a stage in our life where our kids couldn't tell time. You could pull the shutters, shut the blinds, and we could tell them it was 7 o'clock and put them to bed at 5. And, and we did that for a season, and we would, we would watch college football. We'd get takeout from somewhere. We wouldn't have to get a sitter. And we'd sit shoulder to shoulder on the couch and just and enjoy an evening cheering on a team. Um, so be creative in those things. You can cook together, um, you know, rent a good movie that will generate some conversation afterward, those kinds of things at home. Yeah, so one thing we did a long time ago, this is what, so we had twins are uh, 14 now, but in the season when the twins were six months old or a year old, we put together a little fun deck, you know, a fun bottle, which sounds kinky, but it's not. It's just a water bottle dried out. <laughs> with little pieces of paper in it. And so we wrote a bunch of ideas on pieces of paper, put them in the bottle. And when we pulled this thing out, it'd be like, hey, let's get a couple of these and see what we get to do. So we knew some of the ideas in there, but it was still spontaneous. And so they were things like watch Kristen's three favorite episodes of Friends. It might be uh, go to Target, buy a new board game or a puzzle, make cookies together. Yeah, somebody likes that, wild and crazy. Uh, <laughs> There was one in here, I remember distinctly, it was like, make out with one another for five minutes and do nothing more. And I threw that one into the fire. We didn't do that one anymore. (laughs) But so simple, right? When you leave tonight, there's water bottles, I think, in the back. Get one, your homework, dry it out. I don't recommend putting pieces of paper in a wet bottle. But dry it out and make some ideas. It took us like 20 minutes to cut the paper and write the ideas down. And we got you know, so many good nights out of this thing. Another thing we did, this is really simple again, is I took five note cards. And, hey, and let me give you like a caveat here. I am as uncreative as they come. 
I am the most average human being husband that exists on the face of the earth. Uh, there's nothing special, but I knew that I had to be creative. And so here I took five note cards, five envelopes. I wrote down five different date nights. They were like, one of them was go here and then go here and go here, like a three-part date night. One of them was go to Uptown, one was go to Richardson, one was go to Addison. I don't, you know, I don't even remember what they were. And put them in envelopes numbered one through five. And so when it's my turn to plan date night for Kristen, I'd hold up whatever numbers were left. Kristen would choose it. In that, it got to be, she had no idea what was on it. I kind of had an idea of what was in the envelopes, but I didn't know which one we were going to get. So simple. We got five date nights out of something that took just a few moments to put together. On the back of your sheet, there's a, a website listed. It's on my website, scottkadersha.com slash date night. I asked our marriage ministry leaders to give me their best ideas for date nights. Compiled them in a list. There's 124 killer date night ideas on that list. We divided them up into restaurants to go to, adventures to have, outdoor activities, challenges, some really fun ones on there. And so uh, uh, we'll do that one a little bit, right? Or should yes. I do it now? Go ahead. Yeah, so like one of them is, is take your spouse's initials and plan a date night around their initials. So Kristen's name is KLK, Kristen Lichterman. That's her maiden name, Kadersha. And so, uh, so Kristen, the K, we'd go to Krispy Kreme and get a donut. Then we'd go L, go walk around the lake. You know, and since we walked around the lake, we burned some calories. We had to go back to Krispy Kreme and get another donut. <laughs> another one would be like, give me a color. And Kristen would say blue. Okay, great. We'll go to Blue Goose. We'll get a quesadilla as an appetizer. We'll go watch a sunset as the sky goes from blue to dark, not blue. And then, you know, we go to Blue Mesa and eat food, or we go see the Mavericks play a basketball game because they wear the color blue, or we'll go test drive a blue car that we know we're never really going to buy, but we're going to have fun. Something like just like, it's not rocket science. And so come up with a random word, you know, the sun, S-U-N, what can you do around the sun? And just brainstorm some fun ideas. Anything to get us out of the rut of going to the same restaurant of going to a movie. Okay, I love movies. This is not a rant against movies, but movies are not great date nights. Go to a movie, just call it going to a movie. Don't call it a date. Unless you're going out beforehand and you're engaging with one another and have a conversation. And so anything you can do that would get you out of that rut of the typical routine of going to the same place, doing the same thing. Shake it up a little bit and have some fun in marriage. Shake Preaching it to up. myself. Yes. Uh, a few other a few other pointers. Choose active rather than passive. So walk the lake, walk the neighborhood. It doesn't have to be anywhere super special. Um, so eat a donut. It's so active. Like that's right. That's curling. crazy. Yeah. yeah. Um, try new things, and it, it doesn't have to be expensive either. Groupon's great. I think we've got friends that have gone axe throwing and glass blowing yeah. and all kinds of fun things that um, are just different and a shared experience. I think that's part of it. It's just doing yeah. something different and new. So how often should you date? Daily, you ought to have a set time that you can connect. Um, it doesn't need to be crazy lengthy, but just being able to have a conversation catch up on the day and know what's going on with one another. So limit your social media, put your phones away. For some of you, that can be over dinner. For us, it is not over dinner because we're talking over four other people that like to talk a lot. And then weekly, so a time spent away from your house, um, preferably. And for us, a lot of times, we, we try and schedule a lunch at least once a month now that our kids are in school and we can kind of fix our schedules during the day. 
Um, otherwise, just again, plan. If you've got kids, you can swap with somebody else and, you know, the wife go watch their kids one evening and that wife come watch your kids. So it's They're not free. like, not permanently swap. No, just no, babysitting no, swap. No, yep. Swap. Okay, <laughs> just in no. case. Yep. No. Um, and then annually. So set aside money and time, um, vacation time if necessary, get your in-laws or a good friend again, that will come and stay with your kids or somebody that you can farm your kids out to and just get out of town. And again, it doesn't have to be expensive. You can price line a hotel somewhere. You can do a staycation in town even, um, but just be intentional to have some of that time away. Then a couple other quick things, just celebrate each other day to day. I think Ryan and Susan talked about this, like just find fun things to celebrate about one another. It, It can be a promotion. It can be like, it's just been a great day at work and something fantastic happened. Um, just celebrating each other um, all the time is helpful. And then be sure that on these dates that you are not choosing that time to bring up that conflict, that thing that has kind of been eaten at you. Make your dates a, a time to just enjoy being with each other and getting to know each other in a, another level. It's good. Last thing I'll tell you is great marriages don't happen. You've got to intentionally pursue one another. So I, I did not update the numbers for this year, but last year USA News Today reported Americans will spend $19.6 billion on Valentine's Day. Okay, that means it's over $20 billion this year. Okay, so most of the time that means roses, chocolate, maybe even diamonds, which will really only take you so far. You know, maybe 24 hours of passion and romance and then it fades. A diamond hopefully will last a little bit longer to raise some more, cost a little bit more than roses and chocolate. But bottom line is that flowers are going to wilt away and die. Chocolates will be eaten and gotten rid of. Diamonds will fade. Okay, but a marriage that is built on the solid rock foundation of Jesus Christ will last until we die. Every moment we have together on this earth, that is the kind of marriage we want to see you guys have. That is the marriage that we are shooting for. I read this quote. It comes from Martin Luther. I think he gets credit for it. But it says, let the wife make the husband glad to come home and let him make her sorry to see him leave. I love that. I read that years ago and I thought, what do we need to do in our home to make that true? That Kristen is sad to see me leave. She can't wait to get home. I, I, I love my job, okay, most, most days. I, I love what I get to do, right? To get to come here and work with an amazing team and great leaders in this church. I love what I get to do, but it pales in comparison every day to what I get to go home to. And that's because we, we worked really hard on this relationship. And so our desire as you go through re-engage and, and when you're done is that you would do these things like you did at the beginning, that you would pursue one another, that you would, uh, that you would have fun, that you would enjoy this gift of marriage. It feels so trite sometimes when some of the things you guys are walking through, that feels really small. And I would tell you, we're missing it if we're not doing everything we can to enjoy marriage, date your spouse, pursue them. So God, thank you for the way that you design marriage in a way that that is intended to be enjoyed. Thank you that you are the designer and creator of it, that you created relationships. You created us with a need for others that it's not good for us to be alone. Thank you for the beautiful way that we can pursue one another like we did in the beginning. Help us to do that. Help us to be creative, to put the needs of our spouse before our own, to be creative, to honor one another, to prioritize the relationship, to be intentional and purposeful in the way that we love our spouse. 
God, I pray that we would have homes where uh, we truly do love being together. And so help us get there. God, thank you for these couples who desire that. Thank you for these leaders who want to point them there. We love you in the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen.